Welcome to Divine Intimacy Radio, a co-production of EWTN Radio and SpiritualDirection.com, where we provide you with a spiritual haven of rest and explore the riches of the wisdom of the saints and the path to union with God. This is Dan and Stephanie Burke. Welcome to Divine Intimacy Radio, your radio haven of rest, your hermitage of the heart, your monastery of the mind, where we lift our hearts and minds to heaven to draw upon the wisdom of the saints, the great tradition, insight, and beauty of the Catholic Church to help us to navigate the tumult of this life and the difficulties and things that we we face. I was blessed. Uh, uh, Tom Monahan, the founder of Domino's Pizza and Legatus, a great Catholic institution that serves CEOs and executives, uh, he, he's asked me a few times to come give retreats for the CEOs. And I was blessed to run into a gentleman named Lance Mudd. And uh, Lance uh, immediately gravitated to him because he reminds me of my dad. We were just talking about that before the show. Uh, just a hard, hard work and salt of the earth guy. But then when he uh, told me his story of, of how the Lord had worked in his life, I was I thought, man, we've got to get this in front of people because so many people are stuck in addiction, stuck in cycles of sin, stuck in ways that do harm to them and their families. In hopelessness. And hopelessness, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And what I heard in Lance was hope. Not in the sense, in a sense, he, he's living hope fulfilled and he will be quick to tell you he's not perfect. He's living hope fulfilled in the sense that Throughout his life, he has gradually more and more made, uh, given a deeper yes to God, and in some really critical moments that probably determined the whole trajectory of his soul. And I just want to reveal that to you and, and reveal his heart to you, how God works when you say yes, and that no matter how deep the hole is, there's always a way out. So Lance, welcome to Divine Intimacy Radio. Yeah, Thank welcome. you. Appreciate it. So why don't we start a little bit with your your childhood and you grew up in what uh, southern Louisiana? Yes, sir. Southwest. Yeah. Southwest, very Catholic, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Tell me about a little bit about Catholic life when you were growing up there. Uh, my mom was a spiritual leader of our family. You know, we always went to mass on Sundays, uh, played sports, livestock shows, and but God was always first. You mm-hmm. know, my mom made sure my dad. Uh, was a good man, but worked hard. And, you know, if he could get the mass good, if not, no big deal, you know? So we, we grew up praying, knowing God, Mary and the importance of, of God. As a young man, you know, all of us have to make a choice, right. Uh, To own our faith, that sort of thing. Right. When we're under our good parents, I mean, we, we have, we have all of our kids have empty nested. So we understand, we've watched this occur. Right. I remember telling Stephanie, I said, we will not discover where they truly are in their faith until they step out from under us. That structure and pressure is gone, you know, to be good Catholics. Mm-hmm. Then we'll see how low the needle adjusts. Right. And we got to be ready for that, you know. Uh, and so we experienced that with our kids. When you left your house, how low did your needle go or did it stay strong or how was it? Uh, no, it went down. Okay. I, uh, I left high school, went to college, to rodeo for McNeese and I got up there and started drinking. And, uh, and the thing about it is I would go in and work retreats on campus uh-huh. and be close to God. But then within two weeks I was drunk and, 
you know, living a sinful life and just never could stay committed to God. You know, I, I wanted the, the flesh was weak. Yeah. Know? But what's interesting about your story is you say I never stayed committed to God. It, but it feels like there was always a tether that you never cut. Like, Cause we can cut that tether. tether. Right. We right. can say, I, I reject my faith. You never right. rejected your faith, right? No, sir. But I still chose sin over God. Mm -hmm. I knew right from wrong. And yeah. I knew if I died, I'd go to hell. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I, I knew my mom taught me that much, Yeah. you know, sleeping around, drinking, drunkenness. And uh, it didn't bother me. I don't know why, you know, at times I get scared. Yeah. I go to confession, but, uh, I just could not, uh, stay hooked, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And nobody put a gun to my head to drink or make me do crazy things. You know, I, I was a rebel myself, you know, I, I would lead guys to drinking and partying and cooking and stuff like that. What's interesting. You say, you don't know why. I mean, uh, so you, so you remain tethered to the church in the sense that you, you're, you would always consider yourself a Catholic, right? Yes. Yes. So you always consider yourself a Catholic, but uh, you would you would sin, and of course you're describing mortal sin, a lot of mortal sin, and sin makes you stupid, yeah, right. Sin darkens the intellect, weakens the will. So when you commit a venial sin, it darkens the intellect, which means it it clouds up your mind regarding decision, right. you know, good, and then it weakens your will, which means you're more susceptible to sin more. And so it sounds like what was happening to you is, yes, you valued your faith. But then you you got sucked into that uh, like a sin vortex, if you will, downward, not upward. And then what caused you like, why would you go to confession? I mean, because it sounds like you're pretty well catechized. You probably knew there's a problem sinning and then just going to confession, knowing you're going to do it again. I mean, would, were you aware of that issue? Yes. Yes. I'd bounce all around town, go to different priests. You know, okay. I was going to confession all the time and I didn't want to keep going the same one. Yeah. You know? And just playing games, you know, uh, trying to manipulate God like I was people, yeah. you know. And I always had my scapular on since I was a kid, you know. And I thought no matter how I lived, if I died, I'd go to heaven with, just because I wore the scapular. I didn't understand that part of it. Okay. Yeah. I just find it fascinating that, I, you know, we see this in a lot of our young people, I think. You know, I can certainly testify to my past and Dan to his that we, we go through these patterns of trying to uh, do mental gymnastics with our faith and with God to say, I'm okay, I'm okay, you know? And, and we lie into our parents, we're lying to others around us, we're lying to our family, and ultimately we're lying to ourself. Yes, ma'am. Right, you know, because I, I think that's what you're saying, is yeah. you're just lying to yourself, bouncing all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. So in just a brief note about the scapula, you said you believed, you know, sort of a get out of jail free card. But of course, we we know the, te the teaching of the church is, I just want to make people know, yeah, is that, well, do you want to tell them? I know no, you know now. You share. Well, so it's, it, you have to live according to the promises. You have to correspond to, 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 the, to the grace that you're actually requesting. You have to live in a way that's consistent with that grace to receive that grace. So, so, but you, you, you didn't know that when you're younger, but you figured out later. But so, Eventually, uh, you uh, exited out of the education world and you entered into the business world. Uh, when did you get married? Was that after, before? Uh, I got married in 1991. Okay. After I left college, I went pro rodeo for a little bit and quit that, went home, broke, 
My wife was teaching school at the time. So I got home, uh, I went into selling cars and, uh-huh. uh, we, three months after we was married, Kelly, we was pregnant and had a beautiful daughter, Callan. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, I have three daughters, but, uh, yeah, I got into sales and then I started a waste company, uh, that my dad had, I kind of took over it mm-hmm. and we grew it. And, uh, through this whole time, the business was growing. We was working hard. I was bringing guys hunting, fishing, golfing, you know, entertaining and showing them I appreciate their work and, uh, and a lot of drinking going on. So missed out a lot on my kids, mm-hmm. uh, in the name of money. Uh, and then I ended up selling the waste company. I started it in around 94 in 99, we sold it to waste management. So I had to stay on board with them, but this whole time, even when I sold it, I didn't give God no money. I didn't do no tithe, none of that. Yeah. You know, it was all me that, you know, I yeah. thought that built that company. And little did I know it was God that's his grace and blessing that did it. So you were still, so you exited out of the college crazy days, mm-hmm. but you retained the drink. You, you essentially retained the lifestyle, but you added marriage. Is that a maybe describe like what was your wife's experience of you then uh well she was okay with it because she the 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 culture we lived in she seen my dad you know her dad work go make money stay home the wives take care of the kids and Mm -hmm. stuff and so she was okay with it in a sense because that's all she knew i was going a lot you know she taught the kids their prayers you know the kids are getting older now and stuff and uh, I'd send the kids to the catechism, thank God for Catholic catechism teachers and stuff. And I didn't even realize that, that I should have been teaching them, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. about God, their prayers. Cause I was more worried about making money, being ex- successful. Yeah. 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 When did, uh, when, so, but there was a point at which things started to turn because you've, you've described to me the walls are moving in. What was the first movement of the wall in? Uh, cause it was in that context of, well, it was a lot later. This was like in 99, okay. this, this didn't happen till like 2000. I'm a slow learner, Dan, you know, <laughs> uh, it, it takes me a while, but, uh, I had another company that I bought and built up and I bought it. And I think it was in like 2005 or six, mm-hmm. something like that. And, uh, I bought the company and we was going to grow it and, make more money and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, by this time, my girls are 16, 14 and an eight year old. And, uh, it was 2010, uh, just mentally, spiritually, I was, uh, not at peace, you know, uh, and spiritually bankrupt. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't been to mass really, or adoration or anything in years, uh, far as a devotion. And it was just one day, you know, I woke up and, and, and shared with my wife that, uh, you know, I needed help, that that I was sick. Uh, and I didn't like the word alcohol, you know. I'd use the word sick, you know. So anyway, uh, it's through the grace of God that, that uh, I was able to be humble, finally look at myself, to uh, ask God for help. Were there, were there, well, you know what? Actually, I just realized we're up on a break. So when we get back, we'll continue with Lance Mudd, good man who found his way to the Lord and grace and freedom. We'll, uh, you'll be excited or blessed to hear the, the rest of the story. We'll be right back. 
the beautiful fact that no suffering is wasted, that all suffering has a purpose. And to wrestle with the idea, which is that everything that happens in our lives is either willed or permitted by God. Okay, God, why would you permit these things? I know that you're a good father and you're a loving father. So there's something there. So I, I have to bridge this gap between your permission of my suffering to your love for me as a father. And Uniformity with God's Will, the book by, by St. Alphonsus Liguori, bridges that gap. And he explains as only he can, because he's such a hard hitter, the reality that these are all moments of growth, of virtue, of, hey, your legs are weak. You're like a newborn deer. You can't stand on your own. We need to get you to stand on your own. You know, those sorts of things, even even desolation, you know, the day to day kind of the ebbs and flows of the spiritual life. Those things are all permitted for a greater good, whatever that might be. Check out the brand new updated version of Uniformity with God's Will titled Finding Peace in the Storm with commentary by Dan Burke. Welcome back to Divine Intimacy Radio. Dan and Stephanie Burke talking with uh, Lance Mudd, a powerful testimony of redemption. And Steph, you had a... So I, I'm, I'm listening to, you know, your story about the alcoholism and, you know, the, the constant work. And it seems to me, you know, it's not only just uh, the alcohol, it's also workaholic. You know, both is going on. Yes, ma'am. Looking back, have you thought about like how you got into that cycle, like why that was happening? You know, why did work become basically an idol for you? And then what was the role of alcohol in that? I think many people would say they, they're drinking in order to mask something or to inebriate something, some sort of internal struggle that's going on or whether it's drugs or any other kind of addiction. Have you, have you thought at all about why that, like what was going on with that? I was wanting to be successful in the world's eyes. And to me, that was being able to make X amount of dollars and materialistic stuff. And, you know, then the drinking part of the alcohol was, uh, you know, you, you entertaining people, you're around them and you gotta be all happy, blah, blah, blah. And, and it's no excuse, but the alcohol would numb it, you know, uh, to where every morning or during the night or whatever you bring them, Hey man, how you doing? And sounds like you were trying to connect with people. Yeah. Yeah. You know, after a while I was good at it, but day in day out, you know, you're on this golf course, you're over here in this business and it's all, bunch yeah. of lies and fakes, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, uh, I was part of, it. you know, we was only buddies because he gave me money. If you didn't sign an invoice, I didn't fool with you. Mm. That's profound uh, revelation. I think, you know, to figure out like why you were doing it yes, and what was in it. I think that's helpful for people. Yeah. So, I, do you, I hear the other thing I hear, I don't know if it's true. You tell me is you know, scripture reveals the, the law of God is written in our hearts. Right. And then the way God works is he was drawing you through all of that did the alcohol so you said you know lies and false friendships and things like that the alcohol gave you the ability to deal with the incongruity of your life the con the contradiction yeah of yeah. values you had that were you know not super strong but strong enough to say um, i need to be somebody i'm not i mean i'm sure you didn't think of it that way but it enabled it enabled you is that does that make sense yes sir. Uh, and then not have to face reality a lot of times. You know, your wife calling about this or employs this grunt or want this, want that. And they never happy. So you know what? I could get in the liquor and 
not have to worry. Yeah. In my mind, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's really important for people to understand is that at its core, you're really dealing with anxiety. You're dealing with fear. You know, the next shoe's going to drop. The next pressure is going to be put on me. The next burden, I got to succeed. I got to earn. I got to, you know, all these things that inebriated and just helped you to keep going. Whereas probably inside you were about to break. Oh, exactly. So the Holy Spirit's working on you. And then you had a key event, didn't you, in 2010? Yes, 2010, January. Tell us about what happened in 2010 that was kind of the turning point for you. 2010, we went out, me and my family, my brother, sisters, and everyone to celebrate a a successful deal my brother put together. And that night, I, me and my wife went to bed, and I wake up the next day morning, you know, looking to see where she was, and I figured she was still in the hotel, but she done left. And I, I got so drunk, I didn't even know what time it was, but it was one o'clock in the day. And I had to get a taxi cab to bring me home 30 miles away. So on the way home, you know, I'm just thinking like, this this is enough, you know, uh, mentally, spiritually, physically, I was bankrupt. Financially, I was good, but I was bankrupt. So when I pulled in my house and, and went in to visit with my wife and uh, shared with her, you know, because it's hard. Who, You know, I always said, I never say I'm alcoholic. You know, I went in and shared with her and, and she said, you know, look, we'll get through this. And, and, you know, she said, well, you go to rehab. And I said, yeah, if I have to, the rehabs are great. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just me being uneducated, no knowledge. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Hey man, I've rough. You're going to be stupid. You better be tough. Mm-hmm. You know, my old grandpa, you say that if you're going to be stupid, you better be tough. <laughs> and so I knew That's I was great. stupid, you know? <laughs> so that's, that's when I just quit cold turkey. Now I want to say to God. Yeah. I want to say something to people. So he quit cold cold turkey and I want to say he was successful, but what he discovered afterwards was that actually could have killed you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What did you learn about that? I I recommend go get help. You know, don't just quit cold turkey because you know, I don't know how much you drink, what you drink or whatever, but there's, there's help out there, but it's hard. The humility part, the devil don't want to let you go. Yeah. You heard about people talking about you in the community. Well, hell they talking about you now. Yeah, and laughing yeah. at you. The shame. You, yeah, you don't, yeah. you don't, you, you don't, don't pass all that. Yeah, you know, because yeah. whenever you in that spot, you think you have everyone fooled. Nobody knows what's going on. Everybody knows. The yeah. one that's the, that has the problem is the only one that's in the dark. Everybody yeah. knows. Yeah. So tell us about going to God. So at that moment, you've you've confessed to your wife. I, you know, yeah. I think I have a serious problem. I'm sick. Yeah. She's asking you to go to rehab. And so you take the reins and you go to God. Right? Yes, ma'am. So what happened? Well, I was detoxing, wake up one night uh, and, and I just get dressed. I drive into town and, and I'm going to church because I knew from my young years, every time I'd get off the road and bad, go to God. So I went, church was locked and I'm outside like, God, here I am finally. And you're going to lock me out, you know, and I was mad. And uh, so I walked around and there was a little chapel, uh, Adoration Chapel. And I didn't realize it at the time it was called Adoration Chapel. But I go in, older gentleman was there, and uh, I sat on the side of God because I knew I wasn't worthy to be in front of him. Mm-hmm. I knew that. Mm-hmm. So I sat on the side and I just slept. I didn't pray a rosary, didn't have a Bible, nothing, just slept. But when I woke up, there was some peace and a calm over me. And after that, I, I continued going to adoration. And and then I finally got the courage up to find a priest to go to confession. Mm. 
So I went to confession. Then I started going to mass. It's hard to explain. God just started putting different saints in front of me. You know, I didn't know any saints. I used to laugh at my mom and my grandma and them praying to the saints and all. But yeah, I can, I can honestly say that me just showing up to adoration and doing nothing, Mm -hmm. just sitting Mm. and letting God do what he does best. Yeah. You're Mm. under the gaze of the father. Yes, ma'am. Under the eyes of the Lord. And that's enough, right? That was the, that, that outpouring of grace moved you forward, like yes, gave you enough to keep going. Yes, ma'am. What a beautiful thing. How long did it take to detox? That was a pretty horrible it, experience. It was too. most probably five days, four or yeah. five days of, yeah. the, you know, sweating and headaches and yeah. stuff like that. How long have you been without? Uh, it's 14 years. That, wow. Oh, wow. Awesome. God be praised. I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. I always say, if you're not all in, you're not in at all, right? And okay. so you're 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 kind of you're an all in kind of dude, generally speaking. Yes. Um, so when you said I'm done, and it reminds me a little bit of my son Jordan's story, but when he and and I always tell this to people, and I want to you to say I'm wrong or right, whatever. Right. But I use his example, and I'm going to use yours. I'm going to say I know two guys that when they were done, they said they were done, and within a, within the the year that they made that decision, they were essentially free. Now that doesn't mean they'd have to fight, but there are a lot of people who string this out over decades and, you know, just don't, I mean, what's, why is it that you think you and Jordan um, were able to get free? Is it just that all in or what is it? I think it's God's grace. Yeah. And, and really for me, I don't know about anybody else. For me, it was like, God was like Lance the gigs up. Yeah. Either in or out. Right. I know he loves me. I know he's merciful, but I've been playing God in a sense all these years in and out. And and I know he loves me no matter what, but it was like, if you won't help, you either in or out. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm in God. Yeah. I'm tired. You know, and I think it's, it's God is calling us all, whether it's alcohol, drugs, just sin in general, it's, just having that relationship and trusting and you know our catholic church has a lot to offer yeah but i didn't know much at all mm-hmm. all i knew was jesus i trust in you that's all i had because of divine mercy saint faustina yeah and i was like okay god i'm gonna trust you because mm-hmm. i never really had before every time things would get hard or whatever i'd just roll over and and turn from him but i knew this time he gave me grace yeah. It's nothing I did. I just said, yes, yes, yeah. Lord, I'm in. Yes, Lord, I'm in. And that yes got you into regular mass, regular adoration. You also said you started going to a lot of different retreats and things like that, right? Yes. Was it consciously replacing attitudes and friends? What was that process to think, well, I'm living this life this way, because then you had to get rid of all your stash and, and, and your patterns. How did you do all that? Trusting in God, you know, yeah. uh, and then... Uh, I started learning about saints, like uh-huh. uh, St. Francis of Assisi, St. Faustina, Blessed Miguel Pro, different saints I could relate to of how to detach and uh-huh. whatnot. And, uh, you know, I call all the guys that worked with me and I told them, said, look, guys, they knew, they knew. I didn't tell them I quit drinking. Yeah. What was crazy, I quit drinking and quit cussing. That's it. They mm-hmm. didn't know I was going to mass. They didn't know I was going to adoration, nothing. They thought I had cancer. Well, they thought you were dying. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, I had a vulgar mouth. A construction, we throw a lot of 
cuss words out there. Got to be rough around yeah. the edges. And I wasn't coming in hungover. I was more balanced, at peace. Measured. And I guess they could see it. It's, it's just trust. Have you found that your conversion has affected others? Did you see the outpouring of that? Did you see kind of a... Uh... Yes, ma'am, because the guys that worked with me knew me for a long time, and they was taking bets that, that I would start drinking again or whatever, you know, behind my back, and I didn't know, and they had every right because I was a hypocrite in college. Even though I'd go to the church and work retreats, two weeks later at the rodeo, I was drunk, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. So I was a hypocrite. You know, I made young men's casilla and then a month or two, whatever, I was back cussing, drinking, whatever. And so it was just another pattern like, man, he, this is the same old thing. But mm -hmm. this time it was different. God really interceded for me, you know, yeah. Mother Mary and the saints. And I would just try to, to, to live at peace. Uh, I, you know, I'd invite the guys that worked for me to retreats if they didn't want to go. I understood. I didn't pressure them. And God is the one that would open the door and they would sign up and go, you know, awesome. God be praised. and all the men that I've led away from Christ by bringing them here and there drinking, you know, I've called them, invited them and not all of them, but a lot of them made the retreats because mm. I'm like, okay, I led these men away from Christ. Now you gotta, you gotta fix it. Yes. Yeah, sir. You know, and God's like, I got it. I'll do it. It may awesome. not be you, but I'll get them somewhere. So. Awesome. You know, what's cool about conversations like this and we got to bring it to a close is, the Lord works, you know, your story is the story of God intervening in your life and bringing you out of the pit into a new life in him. And so grateful you came to tell it to us. Cause I know there's somebody out there, male, female, who knows, uh, who needed to hear that there is hope and you can get out. But I will say you, you gotta be all in and ready to, to kill it. And, and I think, um, that's a, a big part of your personality. Now, that doesn't mean you could do it without God, but no. we, Stephanie always says he won't save us without us, you know? Yeah. So it's yeah. we're, we're, we've got to play a part in that. Yeah, that God's, you know, Jesus is still healing his people. Yeah. And I think that's the most important thing that we make sure that get a, gets out there. So have hope. Don't wait till you're perfect to come. Your brokenness is is not a barrier, and so your poverty is not a barrier to God's not, mercy. It's not, and in fact, I think that's what attracts the Lord to us. So, yeah. and remember that God loves you, no matter where you at, how far, how dark, how many sins. It's love. We don't deserve, it, but He pours it on. No matter if you have an alcoholic husband, brother, love unconditionally. Pray to God, Mary. So until next time, may the God of peace make you perfect in holiness. May he preserve you whole and entire, spirit, soul, and body, irreproachable at the coming of our Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Learn more about the interior life. Visit spiritualdirection.com. Divine Intimacy Radio is a co-production of EWTN Radio and spiritualdirection.com and heard worldwide on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.